really, this, the whole series is about just having room in some of these different areas of our lives. Today we're going to talk about um, kind of a, a season in Jesus' life when that experience came to be front and center for him. And uh, if you brought your Bibles today, uh, we're going to be bouncing around a couple of different Gospels, um, but mainly I think maybe Mark chapter 1. Uh, if you also want to just kind of turn to Luke chapters 4 and 5 and just kind of put a thumb in both sides, uh, both different, both Gospels there. The reality is um, a lot of the Gospels begin to tell the story of Jesus and tell the same kinds of stories. Sometimes they're in a little bit of different order. Sometimes they have a little bit of a different emphasis around them. But one of the things that becomes clear uh, early on in Jesus' ministry, so Jesus grows up and, and we don't know a whole lot about his life until he gets to be around 30 years old. And then at that point, he goes out and is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. The heavens open up, the dove comes down, the voice from heaven, this is my son who I love, with him I'm well pleased, listen to him. And then immediately the Spirit drives him out into the wilderness, uh, which, by the way, is a series that we're going to be starting next week for this kind of season of Lent that we're in the middle of. Uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus' temptations in the wilderness starts next week. But, but Jesus goes out in the wilderness, spends 40 days there, and then as he comes out of the wilderness, he kind of bursts onto the scene. He, he, he has this, this uh, opening kind of sermon, drop the mic moment in Nazareth, his hometown, where he goes and he proclaims this word from, from the prophet Isaiah and says, this is being fulfilled. And all the people just kind of their jaws hit the floor and they're like, oh, have you ever heard anything like that? And then in a couple of verses, their amazement changes to anger and they try and like throw him off a cliff. And uh, so really successful first sermon or something. And, and then he goes on to different synagogues and the gospels all kind of tell different parts of the story, but, but but, um, but he goes to different synagogues and he's got this theme for his message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is his message. He's going around. Turn your life around because God is coming close. God's kingdom is coming near. And you're and everybody, everybody's invited into this new thing that God is doing. Well, it wasn't just his words that people are amazed with. They, they hear him preaching and they're like, man, this guy teaches like somebody with authority and not like any of the preachers that we've ever heard. And, and, and yet, and so they watch this and, and they listen and they're amazed at his teaching, but they're also amazed with the power that flows through Jesus. Jesus is healing people. Lepers are cleansed. People with fevers, they go away. People with the flu, maybe even, are, are healed uh, from this. It's, it's incredible. Uh, people who can't walk are, are, are raised up and they walk. People with all sorts of different kinds of sicknesses and diseases are made well. The forces of evil retreat when Jesus comes around. Jesus is driving out impure spirits from people. So it's this authority from his words, this authority from the power that, that is flowing through his life. And naturally, as you can imagine, crowds begin to develop around Jesus. In Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, we find about how at one point Jesus goes to the home of Peter's mother-in-law and she's sick in bed with a fever. And Jesus goes over to her and he touches her and she gets up immediately. The fever leaves her and she starts waiting on Jesus and, and all the people who are there at the house. And word gets out to the surrounding village, to the, to the area and all of the people, it says, that evening after sunset, in verse 32, Mark chapter 1, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered 
at Peter's mother-in-law's front door. Can you imagine that scene? The entire town. Okay, Jesus, we've heard what you're saying. We've seen what you're doing. We've got all these issues. We want you to touch all of these people. And Jesus, it says, healed. Uh, he healed them of their various diseases, many of them. And he also drove out many demons. So Jesus is busy. People are crowding around the door. Can you imagine this? People peeking in windows, beating down the door, trying to get in the, the front. And Jesus, real early on in his ministry, it gets to the point where he, he goes to teach at a place. And at one point in Luke chapter 4, the crowds are so big and so gathered around him, he has to get into a boat and go out into the sea and teach from the boat because there are so many people crowding around him that he can't get any space. So Jesus, real early on in his ministry, I mean, this is the first couple of chapters of, of the story of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus is faced with a decision that he's going to have to make. And, and this decision, this crisis moment, this kind of like, what is my life going to be about? He's on the verge, he recognizes, of every day from the beginning of the day until after the end of the day being filled with what the crowds want him to do for them. Jesus is on the verge. He's really just right off the, off the bat, right out of the gate. He's on the verge of having all of the crowds determine for him what's going to be written on the page of his life. And it's going to go all the way to the edge and beyond the edge. They're going to want Jesus to extend himself way out to the edge. And if Jesus had a page of that, that kind of represented his life, entire villages would have ideas about what ought to be on that page. And if it was up to them, the whole thing would be filled. And what ended up being on the page, if Jesus gave into this, would probably be things that maybe his life wasn't meant to be ultimately about. Are you with me here? So if all of the crowds are setting the agenda for Jesus' life and they're, they're setting it all the way to the edge of the page, and then even what's on the page is probably not what Jesus means for to be on the page, but it's something that's being determined by somebody else. Now, we, where we're at, we haven't experienced probably that level of demand on our time and on our space and uh, of our person. Like, there aren't that many people that are beating down our lives uh, probably the way that they were with Jesus. But we know something of the dynamic of what's going on there, don't we? The reality is, uh, by default, if we'll let it, our pages will naturally fill up. The space, the time of our lives will naturally fill up because... In part, there are 8 billion people in the world that have an idea of what ought to be on that page, right? Think about all the people who have some sort of demand on your time and your space. Maybe it's, maybe it's your teachers, right? And you've got the next project that's coming up, and you've got homework to do, and you've got a project, and, and the English professor's just really hard-nosed about stuff, and she's got this test that you've got. Diagramming sentences is everything that you need to be about, right, Tori? Uh, so, so maybe it's your teacher. Maybe it's your parents, and they, you know, they want to fill your page with brushing your teeth and taking your showers and doing your laundry and not your, or collecting it and doing your household chores and making your beds or whatever it is that they want to put on your page. Maybe it's your coaches, and you 
we've got practices and Bo's already getting on me about this. Like we got to show up for practices and be about that. And, and, uh, and Bo's teaching uh, coaching Gray's thing. So maybe it's that, maybe it's your boss and you've got TPS reports and financials and widget quotas that you've got to get to. And you've got all these things, you know, bosses, neighbors, family members, maybe it's, maybe it's your kids and like, whoa, you know, like the never-ending meals and, and trips to several different things and getting close. Maybe it's your stuff that's got demands on you. Yesterday, like my, almost my whole day was spent cleaning, repairing, organizing, putting things back together of stuff. So sometimes our stuff gets demands. And we haven't even, by the way, we haven't even talked about your preacher. I mean, he is just, whoa. Like, you know, just always asking us to do stuff, show up for stuff, serve God for things, be at worship, like attend to the things of God, you know, like all of these. And, and we also haven't even begun to talk about I'm just going to put that back in my pocket. And the news stories and the TV programs and all of the things that want to set the agenda for us every day of our life. Listen, I want your life today to be about the gun violence debate. (laughs) That's the only thing you can think about, uh, right? This is the way it works, right? I want your life today to be about X, Y, and Z. I want your life today, advertisers, to be about buying this or this or wanting this or this or this. If we just go with the flow, by default, our lives can tend to be managed by algorithms on Facebook, right? So all these different things that want to manage, that want to put things on our page, that want to extend us all the way out to the edge. And so do we just go with it? Do we just wake up every day and say, well, I mean, whatever, whatever the phone's telling me, whatever my kids need, whatever my coach tells me I need to do, whatever the, the neighbors need, like, I'm just going to go with the flow and let other people decide what's going to go in my life. And I'm just going to run all the way to the edge, by the way, and not have any spaces for Tories uh, that, that God might be calling me to. As easy as it would have been for Jesus to go with the flow. By the way, guys, Jesus was doing good stuff. Nobody can argue. Jesus wasn't like watching Netflix for eight hours a day, you know, and filling his page with that. Jesus was healing people, driving out demons, doing incredible stuff from the moment he got up almost to the time. Like this was the, the trajectory of his life. Jesus was doing great stuff as easy as it would have been for Jesus to continue to only respond to the requests of the crowd from before he got up until after he went to bed every night. Just do that over and over and over again for three years. Jesus knew that that wasn't going to be a sustainable way to live with no margin around the edges. And it would probably not end up accomplishing the things that he was put here on earth to do. And so he decided early on that his page was not going to be filled by what other people wanted him to do and be. And also, it wasn't going to be chock full from before he got up in the morning until after he hit, his, hit, hit the pillow at night or the rock or wherever he, he, he laid his head. Like, it wasn't going to be filled all the way from front to back with to-do lists and crowds and healings and sermons and all of the things that needed to get done. Jesus made the decision early on that he was going to do something different. And so here's what Jesus did about it in Mark chapter 1, verse 38. 
right after the crowds were like crowding in around Peter and mother-in-law's house. If you're reading the, well, I think both gospels in Mark and Luke tell the same, tell it the same way. Jesus goes, all the crowds come around in Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house. And then the next morning, we read this in Mark chapter 1, verse 38. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke tells us that he, Jesus did this at daybreak. At daybreak, when, when all the, before the crowds could get there, Jesus squeaked out of the house and went off to a solitary place. And in fact, Luke tells us that Jesus does this so often. It becomes such a practice of his life, such a regular thing, that it becomes something that can be described as something that he does on a regular basis in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And there's that dynamic right after, right before that verse in Luke, we're told about all the crowds that are chasing after Jesus that are wanting him to do X, Y, and Z. But Jesus wasn't going to let his whole life be defined by what other people wanted of him. And it wasn't going to be full from morning to evening. Jesus started his day with margin. Started his day with space, time, and place where he moved away from the crowds and he got quiet with his heavenly father. Jesus takes his page and carves out the margins of time and space to be had with his heavenly father because this is the most important relationship in his life. This is the most important relationship in his life. And if he leaves it to an afterthought, it's going to get pushed out by all of the demands of the crowd. So Jesus does it the very first thing. Before anything gets written on the page, Jesus carves out the space for his time alone with his heavenly Father. Here's what else that does. Not only does it give him some space for him to be able to listen to God, for God to be able to speak into his life, to be able to call him to maybe some things that he hadn't had on his mind that day or not. But it allows for in those moments, that space, that time alone with God, it allows for Jesus to go to his father and say, God, remind me what I'm here for today. Before I write anything on the page, you remind me why I'm here so that what I end up writing on the page is consistent with your will and your heart and your plans and your purpose for my life. You with me on this? This is what Jesus does. He does it so often that Jesus, on a regular basis, often withdraws to lonely places to get away and to pray, if he has any hope of accomplishing what he was here for, he needed help. Even the Son of God needed help 
being reminded what his agenda was going to be. All the crowds, all the voices, all the need, the real need, the desires, knowing that he could do something about all of those things were so noisy that he had to get away to be reminded what goes on the page, what needs to be here. This arrangement of getting alone with the Father led him at regular times in his ministry to have all these crowds pressing down around him and Jesus ended up saying no to the crowds, saying no to some very good things that needed to be done that seemed like he could help with, but it wasn't for him to do. It wasn't what the Father's heart for it was for him to do at that moment. So he had another mission. So he would leave the crowds sometimes. Now, if it is an absolute necessity for the Son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, to have these times of getting alone and carving out this, the edge around the paper for quiet time and space to be spoken into by the Father, to have a heart connected to the Father, how much more necessary is it for us to do this on a regular basis, to not have our page filled all the way to the edge, but to reserve some time and space around the edges to get alone with God and and to let all of the other agendas and all the other voices and all the other to-do lists and the things that are jockeying for our attention, let them be for a few moments so that we can quiet our hearts and our minds and attend to our Father, our Creator, our Maker, who has a will and a desire and a purpose for our lives and who longs to share that with us. So, these space around the edges as our first priority to help determine what gets written on our page for the day or for the week or for this next 10-year period of our life or whatever the trajectory it is that we're working on in our prayer time with God. God, what do you want to go on this page? Now, I don't know in particular what this looks like for you. For Jesus, Jesus decided that if it was going to work for him, It had to become his practice before any of the crowds woke up that he was going to wake up and go and beat them to a quiet spot. And it was difficult. Listen, he he did that and the crowds came looking for him. We read the Gospels and Jesus goes off and hides behind a tree or something and all the crowds are beating around a place. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Peter, where's Jesus? Somebody find Jesus. We got all the stuff that needs to be done and Jesus is, you know, hiding uh, somewhere uh, alone with his father. Maybe your life, functions a lot like Jesus' life. Mine does, right? Uh, that, that maybe some of your only ways to get away is to get up before the demands start calling out to you. It's kind of a fail-safe, right? I mean, there's very few people that need your attention at 5.30 in the morning or whatever. Uh, so maybe that works for you. Maybe, though, I'm not going to be legalistic about this. I don't think Jesus would. Maybe 5.30 in the morning is anathema to you. It's like the closest place to a God-forsaken moment of the day that there can be. And there's no, I haven't had your coffee or whatever. I don't know what it is, but like, I, I get that too. So, so maybe for you, it's a, a kid's nap time. Maybe it's a break at work. Um, Maybe it's a time when I was growing up, my regular time for devotions, you call this quiet time with God, uh, was at night before I went to bed. Because usually I was by myself at that point too. And, And that can be some margin space for you. Whatever your margin is, it's necessary 
to build it into your page before you decide to do anything else with your page. So if that happens at night before the next day, that's fine, but make sure that you see it as the first thing, then let God determine kind of what goes on the page, the purpose and focus of your life. Now, I want to warn you about something. If this isn't a regular practice of, you, of yours, you haven't been in this process of saying, okay, I'm going to let everything else fall. I'm not going to do this while I'm doing something else, right? Because that kind of defeats the whole purpose. Uh, so this isn't something that you do like while you're preparing dinner or while you're driving to work or something like that. Uh, like while you're not doing anything else, the minute you try and carve out margin of a page that's been written all the way to the edges, time and space, as a regular routine of your life, the minute you try and start carving out those margins, the enemy of your soul will come after you. Immediately, your mind will flood with the million other things that need to be getting done right now. Right now! If, if you don't do this right now, you'll forget it, and then that won't get done, and then this person will get mad at you, and why haven't you called this person to check up on that? And this person, immediately, guys, I'm telling you, this is going to happen, so don't be surprised. Get a little Post-it note. Bring it with you to your quiet time. As in the minute those thoughts come into your head, in the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. Write it down. I'll take care of that later. Write it down. You may get through four or five or six of these things. You write them down. Once it's on the post-it note, you're going to say, I'm going to deal with that outside of my margin, my time with God. Whatever it takes, quiet yourself, your heart, your mind. Let this be about your time with the Lord. It's going to take a while if you haven't been in this practice for this to become a natural kind of thing, but it will be such, maybe probably the most life-giving thing that you do in your life. Another thing that we want to be aware of is that very often we're going to go into those margins time and God will check us on something and say, you know, you've been filling your life with this, but I have this for you to do. Or everybody else wants you to do this, but I have this for you to do. And if you want to do this well that I'm calling you to, then you're going to have to say no to lots of other things. And I just want to give you permission, not like you need it from me, but God gives you permission to, to say no to the things that are outside of what he wants to do, even if they're good things, even if the pastor asks you to do them, right? You can say no. Jesus said no. In fact, the way Luke tells the story, Jesus gets alone uh, to a solitary place and he prays and, and, um, and everybody comes running after him. Actually, Mark tells the story the same way. Just let me read it uh, to you here. Um, uh, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Like, you've got stuff to do, Jesus. Who do you think you are thinking that you can carve out this time and space just for you and, and the Father? Like, what is going on? There's stuff to be done. Your page needs to be filled. Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus replied, remember, this is right coming out of his time with God. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. To the nearby villages, so I can preach there also, that is why I have come. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe he knows this 
outside of his time alone with the Father. But my sense is that time alone with the Father helped at least remind him and give him the resolve (laughs) that he was allowed to say no to certain needs that were pressing in on him because he had a purpose and a mission that he was to be about. You with me here? The last thing I want to say, I want to invite the band to go ahead and come up. We're going to sing um, a song in response to this about just finding our rest with God in the margin there. The last thing I want to say, though, this morning is that my sense is that of all the important things that you and I do in our lives, the most important kingdom-meaning eternally difference-making kinds of things that you or I will ever do with our lives will come from the margins, will come from those times when God helps set the trajectory, set the course for our life, call out a person for us to go out and embrace and bring alongside into the family of God. The most meaningful, eternally significant things you do will not be things that you dream up on your own, but will be things that come from your time of solitude and prayer with the Heavenly Father. Would you stand? Uh, Let's have a word of prayer, and then let's just sing this song together uh, in response as our prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to the end of this series on margins and know that our lives are so often so busy, and very often we just go with the flow of it. And a lot of times, God, our pages are filled with unimportant things um, or or things that um, maybe just are not central to who you're calling us to be. And God, the only way for us to know that, to sort that out, is to uh, take some of this restlessness and take some of our just drive to feel like we need to extend all the way to the edges and just to lay that down and begin to pull back from the edges to begin to find our rest in you, to begin to center our hearts and our minds in that quiet time with you. And uh, Father, we pray this morning, this week, every day this week, that you would help us to make the decision before anything else that we are going to have 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is that we can carve out that's going to be dedicated to doing nothing else but being with you.